Yeah, what is up for another edition across the pitch with myself, Dave Muller, and Mike Pereira over there. And we've got all things to discuss. Union, it's been quite a quite a mixed week, I feel, obviously. Uh, frustrating draw last Saturday against uh, Montreal. Um, but obviously, some exciting news, obviously, regarding obviously Kyle Wagner and Andre Blake playing in the... Uh, what's up, Adam? Andre Blake and Kyle Wagner playing in the All-Star game. Um, some, obviously, news from the up above a sort of level with the scouting and positions and obviously some some discussions about the game coming up, the game about last week. And we're also going to discuss Daniel Gazdag. I know um, a member of the union union Twitter media was discussing what his best role is this week. So I think it might be appropriate for me and Mike to also try, chime in and give our opinions on things. But uh, we'll start off with Kai and Andre making their appearances in the uh, All-Star game. This was Andre's third or fourth Kyle Wagner. Yep. Uh, did you watch the game, Mike? No, I didn't watch the game. I'm sorry to those who didn't. And I saw the highlight of Blake's uh, save in the box, which was absolutely yeah. incredible. Uh, yeah. I didn't watch the game, but it was it was one of those weeks where it just kind of took forever to get to this show. Didn't it feel like the week was just crawling along? Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to finally talk some union and get back to uh, Saturday's game against DC United. Absolutely, man. I mean, again, it's obviously, it was a weird week again. I didn't watch the All-Star game as well. I was watching uh, AEW, sort of CM Punk does to people. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but man, um, obviously, it's, obviously it's great for them too to sort of be recognised by their fellow pros, their fellow managers as some of the top players in the MLS. They've both got 30 minutes each. I think they were, I don't think Andre was on the pitch. Neither player was on the pitch when the uh, MLS All-Star team conceded, obviously, uh, I believe. Uh, no, no they were I believe they're down one nothing, and then they came in and they tied it up. If if I remember correctly, oh, right, from, yeah. the, from the Twitter sphere. Yeah, I mean, uh, so yeah, both players obviously made a mark. Both made some impressive plays. I think there was a, don't know if you saw it. There was a um, bit from Wag Kai where he nutmegged a player and slid in and won the ball back before <laughs> he lost it. Right? So obviously it was quite a nice outing for them. But obviously personally for them as well. I mean, obviously yeah. going into this difficult stretch for the international break, they got two big games. What does that do for their confidence? Sort of like, does that perhaps give them individually a boost? Sort of like to give their performances a boost as well because they're going off the hive, you know, getting that recognition, knowing that they are the best in their position. Or what do you think? I guess two ways to look at it. I guess you can kind of look at it from a work standpoint too, right? Let's say you're lined up for a promotion, you don't get a promotion, you feel bummed out. So you're either going to work less or you're going to work harder to get to that. On the opposite yeah. side, you get that promotion, you get that bonus, you get that call up. You might now work harder to get more and achieve more. You might have that boost of energy, or you get kind of lazy, like oh, I've you know yeah. I've reached this this pinnacle, I've reached the top. So every player handles it differently. I think Kai and Andre though, they'll come back, they'll feel you know the energy, the the extra confidence. I think they're going to play extra you know yeah. extra well against uh, DC United. Absolutely, I think I agree with what you said. I agree with the um, entire point. It was like pl- both players the sort of players that aren't going to sit there and just take what they've got. They're going to carry on improving. Right. We see with Andre, obviously, he's, obviously, I think, as you said, it was his fourth third, all-star yeah. appearance. Oh, it was the third, I think. I think third or fourth, fourth, yeah. Fourth. I'm losing track at this point because he's so good, you know? He's so good. <laughs> I mean, he, he keeps getting better year on year on year. Exactly. He's done so well. So, I mean, it's, it's sort of... It's a sort of... It's sort of a... I don't know how to phrase it. It's a sort of like... shows how good of a goalkeeper he is. It shows how good of a player he is. Oh, yeah. And that... The fact he continuously gets better and better and better and better just sort of is a testament to his work rate. And, do you know what I mean, he is probably, I mean, obviously, 
Um, Turner had a very good year, and you've got players like Zach Steffen, who also was a big name in the MLS as a goalkeeper. But he's been that one constant probably over the last five years, five, four, five years, where you talk about the best goalkeepers in the MLS, and it's Andre Blake, and it's not. Right. Blah, blah, blah. blah. And then Andre Blake. I mean, obviously, he's a great example of that. Kai, obviously. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go a bit off topic here with Kai. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to start slating Kai, but obviously he's a fantastic left-back, one of the best in the league. But the worry for the Union is with him, obviously, he's played a lot of games over the last... Uh, yeah. This season. I don't think the whole defence has, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. And left-back's probably the one area where they've got no depth. So if Kai gets... I mean, obviously, um, he's playing a lot. He's played 30 minutes in this All-Star thing. He's been having fun. He's been non-stop playing. Um there's a, a slight worry, obviously, Matt Real potentially on the trade block or whatever the rooms there. Can is there a worry that if Kai does get injured and Matt, perhaps Matt Real has moved on, that the the union are really risking it by not having a backup left back for him? Maybe, but uh, you mentioned we we, we kind of talked about it already previously and with your agenda, and we've seen it already a couple times this season having three in the back. I don't know if Jim maybe alters it a bit if Kai is not available for one game. We saw it against, yeah. I think it was against New England. Granted, the the lineup was very different at that point in time, but, you know, if you have Stuart Finley or Alvis Powell and, and Glesnes and Elliott back there, you still feel pretty confident overall. Yeah. Despite the Absolutely. defensive ups and downs they've had, I wouldn't mind that in the back because then it gives you, yeah. when you have an offense the way it is right now, it does give you some, it gives you an extra body up front to, to yeah. kind of push for. So, I kind of I don't want to think about that whether Kai's not going to be around or, or if he gets hurt, but you know I I it's something yeah. to, to be a concern in the back of your mind for sure. I guess the question I'm asking is can they afford at this time in the season to let Matt Real go? I, I mean, obviously he's not getting the game time. Perhaps the union don't believe he's lived up to the expectations they had for him. Perhaps Kai Wagner being as good as he has has stopped him from becoming what they thought he'd be. But can they? Like, I do think that they can afford to let Matt Rayel go with the versatility he has and the fact that there's no other left back in the team without uh, behind Kai. Wow, that's a good question. I, I, it's hard to say you can let somebody go because depth is so important. But with Powell and Finley being there and being already proven that they're strong defenders, I think that Real is unfortunately the odd man now because you're not going to get rid of yeah. Harry L because he's so young. Um, so no, yeah. he might be the odd man. I, I, like I said, I covered the game. I, it was uh, against, I believe, Columbus when I was at the stadium. And we saw Matt Real warming up, and he just didn't come in. So it's like, well, you know, at what point do you do you come in? It wasn't, I'm sorry, it wasn't Columbus. It was D.C. United. D.C. United, they were yeah. up three. You know, they were up big, and you, do you bring them in at all? We don't know what to deal with Real. Um, actually, I'm going to stop you, though, on the Matt Real combo. I'm going to segue into a conversation I had recently with uh, a couple fans over Fontana. Okay, so I got a discussion with a couple fans about whether Fontana should be in on the bench or in the lineup at all. Do you think he's earned it from last season? And if he, um, he does deserve to end up, who do you take off the bench in place of him? Um, I think he's still working to way to back to fitness. Obviously, I think Jim's taking it very. I think Jim's taking high heavy precaution with rushing him back too soon because I don't think well the thing like concussion as well it's not like he's missed um a couple of games and he's just coming back 
and he's just getting over like a muscle strain. He's not only not been able to practice properly, he's not been able to have much fitness because he's essentially only enough to sit on the bike and cycle. So the fitness side of things, he's clearly not going to be anywhere fit. I think he's been out since probably June, just about two and a half months now. Right. So he's been out for two right. and a half months. He's not been able to actually play any contacts. So he's going to have to get back used to that again. So essentially, Fontana's now going to have to go through another, like, it's the same objective for he obviously he might be leaving, but essentially he's going to have to go through another preseason of getting himself back fit. And so I think it'll take time for Fontana. Does he deserve to be in the team at the moment? Uh, obviously, I'm going to I'm going to say no at this moment in time, purely because he's been, um, obviously he's not been, he's not fit enough. He's not been, um, he's not been fit, obviously. He's still trying to get over his concussion, get back his match fitness at the moment. No, I guess. in after the international break and he's had to have another couple of weeks to play a couple of behind closed doors games and stay fit. I'll say yes. I think Jim would probably take out someone at Paxton. So, okay. So that, that, that was kind of like my discussion that I had with, with these fans, you know, last season he was great in, you know, the, let's say nine games that he played in, whatever it was, he was great. He scored a bunch of goals. Fantastic. We saw early on this season, he didn't have the same spark off the bench. Or in, or in the lineup. I think he started one or two games. He didn't have the same spark. So he gets a concussion. Atlanta, you know, does, does, was he just having a slow start? Were the, the new players around him or the just a new season affecting him? Mm-hmm. We're not sure yet. So I looked at the recent game against Montreal, right? And the substitutions were Quinn Sullivan, Casper, Jack McGlynn, Powell, Bendick, Finley, Davo, Paxton. Now, Senior wasn't ready to play last week. So Elsenia will come in for Paxson, put Paxson to the to the reserves, right? Yeah. If you're looking at that lineup now, where would you put Fontana? Now you could argue that you don't need Powell and Finley on the bench as defensive reserves. No. I because you wouldn't yeah. make two defensive switches. But then here's another thing, right? Where do you put Bueno when he comes in? Yes, I mean obviously it's a nice thing for Jim to have because he's it's, now a, got, it's a good problem to have. <laughs> he's got options, and I mean obviously I think you always have to have two defensive options on the bench because as soon as if you lose one player early or two players get injured, you're sort of like you have to scrap. You have to play a senior right back, or um, and you have to stick Jose at centre back, or even Casper at centre back. Like you're you're going to be struggling for numbers there, so you always have to have you know a couple of defensive players. But I think as you said, mentioned the lineup, it's hard to see him in the lineup at the moment. I mean. It's obviously we'll move on to Gaz Dag in a minute, but I mean, obviously Gaz Dag they paid money for Gaz Dag, so I sort of feel yes. like they're gonna, they're gonna persist with him, irrespective of if he's having a struggle or he's not living up to expectations. Uh, obviously, Jamiro is a difficult one because obviously we know how good he is, but it depends how long he is still going to be here. Jim obviously sees Ali as um, undroppable. So okay, so this is it's funny because we like we were going to preview and review these games, but once you get into this conversation, there's a lot to talk about with the lineup. I think I think you nailed it on the head. Gazdag is going to play because of the money he's making and the move they made they made to bring him in. So he's unfortunately kind of stuck there. Um, I I don't think Martinez can be benched right now because he has been playing pretty solid. Even his few mistakes, he's still overall a strong player, and he brings a lot of heart to the team. Do you maybe put Flock on the bench? Because uh, offensively speaking, Flock hasn't really done anything. That's no. and and that's a and that's a problem. Is this team is struggling offensively? 
Yeah. Defensively, yes, they're having their their mental lapses with set pieces, with covering men one on one, with just not communicating properly. I guess you want to call it. But yeah, does, do you sacrifice Flock's energy to maybe have another offensive body on the bench like uh, Fontana? Do you mm-hmm. eventually say Elsino is not really like Elsino hasn't done anything this year? That was no. anything of close to 2019. Do you eventually push away from El Senior? Have a Quinn mm-hmm. Sullivan, Jack McLean. Like, there's so much you can yeah. do. <laughs> it's going to be unpopular, but I'm going to say yes to moving on from El Senior. I think it gets yes. to a point for a player like Kim. He's never going to be the same player that he was. Right. Obviously, I mean, yeah, he had a great 2019. He's obviously been an important player for the team in the past, but. <laughs> He's had two bad injuries in the preseason kind of this season. He's still struggling to get minutes in the tank. And no disrespects. I mean, he's essentially taking away a spot from a player, a younger player who's perhaps more deserving. Obviously, someone like a Jack McGlynn or even a Paxton, because Paxton's actually made a good impact when he's come on in games. And obviously, in the one start he's had, even Quinn Sullivan. I think, obviously, if you argued over the last um, 18 months, this, this season so far and last season, you could probably argue that Fontana has probably been just as important as El Senior for the team. Yeah, I mean, last season, think of how impactful Fontana is. Yeah, on on the very back end of that season, he he's a huge reason as to why they won the Supporter Shield because of his ability to be a sub off the bench and yeah. score when they needed him to score the most. So, and that and and that's the thing is that it's hard to reward people for last year's accomplishments because it's last year. Yeah, and you can't live in the past. And as what you're seeing right now from this team is that they are nowhere near the scoring pedigree of the team last season. No, and maybe that comes to Mark, Mark McKenzie being a stronger defender than Glesnes or Mumbazo. That maybe comes to Brendan Aronson, who no, may, we are smart. now realizing how great he really was and how great he is as a player. Yeah, it's it's tough, it, and in. Do you maybe switch the formation? Does Jim Curtin finally give in and say, you know what, let's do a three-five-two, and 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 put another yeah. midfield in there? And then if that's the case, do Flock and Martinez sit in the back? What what's the formation then? You know, or what's or rather what's yeah, no, the line? Not the formation. One. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Isn't it? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of options. Obviously, Jim's diamond midfield has worked well for a long time but obviously it gets to a point where teams do start to realize how you play and what you deal with and going back to Fontana obviously she said does he deserve a place in the bench does he deserve a place in the starting team starting team at the moment no but he's never going to be able to deserve another play a place back in the team unless he doesn't unless he gets on the bench and comes on as a sub and makes an impact and I think obviously he maybe um obviously people might be hoping perhaps he could be a starting player from the moves the Union have made and the signs they made, clearly that view him as a starting player with Garzdag and obviously Montero still being there. Flark, I don't see him as a starting player. Perhaps he is more of an impact sub and, well, an impact sub and sort of a sporadic start. He'll start once in a while. Maybe that is his best role. We, we don't know. He's still very young. We've not really seen much of Anthony Fontana. So sure. we... So I think, yeah, I think that's sort of my overall summary of things. I think we have to wait and see. He has to get his chance on the bench. And I think Jim, at some point, perhaps is going to have to um, start to let go of these reliable old heads that helped him so much 
In and, okay. I, and you're right. And, and I don't want to get too far ahead of us because this is kind of treading onto the Montreal review as well as the DC United preview. So let's wrap up the news and notes real quick, and then we'll get right into it. Cause I think we're about to touch on a lot of topics that yeah. deserve talking about. Uh, absolutely. Um, but one last thing for the news and notes. I mean, obviously it's Paxton Erickson's birthday. So happy birthday to him. Um, a couple exciting things with Mackenzie and Aronson. They made the U.S. roster for the qualifying team, so that's awesome. But you mentioned about John Shear, director of scouting, uh, former Union Academy yeah. talent recruiter. You know, what, what what are your thoughts when you saw that come across? You know, what is your opinion on it? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's an interesting one that the fact that obviously he's done an incredible job finding these young, talented players in, yeah. over recent years. And, and again, it's worked. It's, it's, he's worked to dividends. He's got he's brought Jack McGlynn in. He's obviously gone out and found players like Quinn Sullivan, who people don't realise he has a German background. He has links with uh, Borussia Dortmund. He's managed to bring help and get players like that in into the academy. And, you know, I'm sure he probably played a ball on the Aronsons. Getting the Aronsons in, Matt Rayal, Nathan Harrell. I mean, he's obviously had an impact and played a part in this. And I'm interested. I think it could lead to a different style of approach for the union. Obviously their transfer approach in recent seasons has been going over to the lower outskirts and lower divisions in Europe and find these little diamonds in the rough. And uh, that's what Ernest Town likes to do. Perhaps they now look more inwards. They look at the rest of the MLS, the rest of America for some, even if it's just like fringe younger players, they think their talent hasn't been unlocked yet and they could unlock it with the union. I think we could see a potential change in, not entire change, but a potential small change in transfer approach. I mean, as opposed to, you know, going up to South America or going off to the third division of Germany, they might look in-house, look at the uh, um, the USL or, I mean, I think it could really see, we could see a change of um, transfer approach. Yeah, it's, you know, I think a lot of Union fans want to see international players come in and contribute. I know, like, for for example, like, you know, you sell Brendan, you sell Mark McKenzie, and people want to use that money to push it to signing a big-name player, right? Hmm. At the same time, the union want to build their academy and use that money to help continue to, to grow from within. Yeah. So now having John, you know, do the director of scouting, like how does that change? Does, does maybe he does go out and spend or help? the process of getting someone from afar. It, we have yet to see what's going to happen. Obviously just the news just broke, you know, the other day, but I, I do like the fact that the union keep promoting within, they keep the same culture, the same people in, involved yeah. and it's obviously working. So it's great to see this continued growth from within, from top to bottom, from the front office yeah, to sure. the field, all that stuff. So it's, it's exciting. Um, I don't think any, I don't think any fans should be upset by, by news like this. It should be promising for the yeah. future that we're, we're, you know, we're in the right direction. Yeah. And then obviously but, I think um, the last yeah. piece of discussion, I think we have obviously, um, who was yep. the media member you uh, messaged me about? Who's the media member who uh, discussed Garsdag's, um position? I think you might have tagged me in the video. George, oh, back? I did. Yes, there was there was someone that I it was a, a, a foreigner. I think I don't think it was a local reporter that talked about Gazdag, and they said essentially that they have to give him some more time. That he's watched him internationally because he watches Hungarian football, and yeah. you know he's a very gritty, kind of hungry to score player, and that we should give him some time to develop into yeah. this league. I don't disagree with him entirely. I don't necessarily agree with him because eventually 
Because we just haven't seen any sort of killer instinct from Gazdag, which I think was a lot of people were hoping for, was some sort of yeah. scoring, you know, mindset. But his finishing touch really hasn't been that great so far. Aside from the penalty no. kick that he scored on, which was a great penalty kick, don't get me wrong, he hasn't had a really impressive strike at goal that we're like, oh, okay, this guy can really score the ball. So, I mean, do you, yeah. do you think that's fair for Gazdag to give him some more time, or do you think we should start turning the wheels here a bit? Oh, no, I think he deserves more time. He's coming, coming to a new league, having to adjust. I mean, I mean, let's not forget he's <laughs> he had no preseason. He essentially was chucked into the middle of the things with the campaign underway, with no visa. He went as soon as he came to the team, he went straight to the Euros, and got injured there. So it wasn't as if he had a couple of weeks to get acclimatized with everyone, get to know Jim and all the players. He literally came in a couple of days later, was on the bench. And then went straight off to um, went to Budapest with Hungary. So I mean, yep. yeah, I mean, he's gonna. I think it's gonna take time. Maybe, maybe we don't quite understand the role that um, he he's gonna play for the Union. Maybe Jim doesn't see him as a goal scoring sort of player. Maybe Jim sees him as a, a creative ten who he can create things in attack. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously with the formation Union play is sort of like he's playing in that whole between the midfield and the strikers on the zone where he's having to essentially link the two up where maybe that could be why he's struggling because he's isolated in there. Obviously, if you're playing against a couple of defensive midfielders, it's actually Garsdag against two guys. And we've probably seen it in a few games where he has been squeezed out of games. He hasn't had the impact we'd like him to have had. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to take time. I've, I think he's had a positive impact in some games so far. I mean, he's not... Not been bad. He's not been terrible. I mean, apart from the Nashville game where everyone was terrible and he was essentially a ghost. But I don't think his either Jim doesn't really Jim's still trying to find out what his role in the team is, or everyone's sort of got his role in the team wrong. That he's not a goal scorer. He's more of a um, you know like a creator and facilitator. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, I mean, you, you mentioned the impact he's had, and that kind of segues into the former Montreal impact, uh, the game that we saw this past week. I don't think yeah. he was very impressive at all. And I think, and we, he, he was taken off earlier, if I remember correctly. I'll bring up the subs in a second. I mean, what did you, if you could grade him on the, in the Montreal game, what would you give him, just um, since he's on, he's, on, he's on the topic right now? Probably about, probably a six. I mean, he didn't really do much in the game. Um, yeah, Casper subbed yeah. in for him in the middle of the game. Um, yeah, I think obviously Casper came in for him. So yeah, I'm, uh, it's difficult. I don't. I think he'll be alright. I think probably a six. I, I don't think he did too much wrong. He didn't too much. Didn't actually do too much either. So it was one of those games where he wasn't exactly setting the world on fire. But he wasn't terrible either. Was, I think you can say a lot of. I think a lot of the Union players were like that in that game. There, there were fives and six out of tens where they weren't great, but they weren't bad. They just right. had like, like that, like that killer instinct, that moment of quality until Quinn, Quinn Sullivan obviously came on. Well, you have a question for me on the agenda. You said, is it frustrating, the 1-1 draw, for the and just to assess the game? I think this was one of those games where, and a lot of fans felt this way, that like, you've, we've had a couple home draws already, and we've had a couple matches that have been, you know, underwhelming, right? Yeah. But I feel like, this one in particular just had a left a really bad taste in your mouth. It was one of those where you kind of like had trouble after the game getting over it. And that's how I felt as soon as it ended. I was like, man, that, that sucked. Like that really honestly sucked. 
Now I'm gonna think. I'm gonna take it from a bigger picture, though. Okay. If they win in DC, you will have gotten seven points in three games. And if you had asked me beforehand, I would have said seven points in three games is fine. That's a that's yeah. a solid number. If they go down to DC and get three points on the road, do you feel better about the Montreal match, or how do you feel as a whole that they only got one point at home? Um, I think obviously this this football in general is a very is a game where you have to have a short memory. Obviously, you can lose one in yeah. midweek or lose week four. Then, as soon if you win, if you win the next game, I mean, obviously, no one talks about the game that you perhaps drew that you should have won or that you lost, you should have drawn. Or you you focus on that win. So I think yeah, it could change the mood a lot around the Union fan base. Um, was it a frustrating draw? I mean, obviously, yes, it was frustrating to against a team which didn't actually really quite match. I think they must have had two shots on target the entire game. Didn't, didn't really pose the union a threat. Obviously, I think I said to you, their goal was a very well-worked goal. Great ball, which split, split the union defence in half. But obviously, look at the game. The most worrying thing is, um, is the fact the union only had a one shot on target. That was Quinn Sullivan's goal. It didn't actually test their goalkeeper once in the entire game. And I think if you look at like the, sort of the, dominant, the dominance they had, especially in that first half, Oh, the first so half, not even tested the goalkeeper. <sighs> so not tested the goalkeeper would be the frustrating thing. But I think I, I don't want to be ultra. I don't want to say not much positive. But I guess the positive from that game is is the fact the Union can play poorly. They can lack a killer instincts. They can struggle to create, They can struggle to get in the rhythm. But they can still come away with without losing, which I think we've seen a lot this year. And again, it was never example of they've got enough about them to have that one magic of ex, that one moment of magic to drag them back from the brinks of defeat. So I think that's the only positive I take from the game. But yeah, I think on the grand scale, if you watch the entire game, you know, shots they have blocked and close chances, which they perhaps should have had on target. It was a frustrating game to watch. So I'm going to touch on a couple of things here because you bring up a couple of good points and based off your questions from the agenda. So for one, so I asked Jim after the game about the goal that Montreal scored at the end of the half. For, for First of all, it was in, basically in stoppage time at the end of the half, which is unacceptable. You shouldn't be giving up a goal at home in that time frame. That's a different story, though. So he mentions how it was a poorly kicked goal kick from their keeper. He mentioned how it was it was almost as if his union players didn't see it in time or didn't react to it in time. And next thing you know, they're kind of trying to catch up. They're, they're caught off guard. And he, he just flat out said it was a stupid goal. That's what he said yeah. on, on the press conference. It was a stupid goal. We should be better than that. Yeah. So that's that's the one thing. The second thing, one question you posed for us was, did we miss Casper in the game? And I feel like yes and no. No in the sense that because Burke and Santos did an excellent job <coughs> getting behind the defense. And we saw it. We saw it over and over and over. They were they were getting themselves in the position to to score, but it was almost like they were playing hot potato. There was one there was one sequence in the box where they were literally passing the ball back and forth to each other within six yards from net. Just shoot the freaking ball, yeah. even if you don't have a clear shot. Just shoot and and make something happen. Test the keeper. And I think it was two instances um, around the twenty fifth minute or so. I can't remember right now where Santos had a strike with his right foot and then Burke had a strike with his left foot on the opposite sides of the box. Yes. And they just barely missed the net. And it was just, they could not do enough to test the keeper. It was always just wide. It was just not enough time, always blocked. Yeah. It was frustrating. And I, I flat out said on Twitter, I said, this game 
is going to change if Montreal scores off something stupid because the Union have been controlling the entire first half. And that's exactly what happened. They controlled the half. They had their chances. They gave up a stupid goal. And then people on Twitter were like, oh, well, don't worry. They're going to score two goals now. It's like, what proof do we have that they can score two no, goals? They haven't shown it in the game. They haven't shown it. That game, I mean, obviously, Burke and Santos are causing issues. But I think, again, as you said, though, not, neither of them have that killer instinct that Shaberko has, where as soon as he gets the ball, he knows he's going to shoot. Or if he knows he's in a position to shoot, he'll shoot. It doesn't matter if he if it's a difficult area to shoot, he will shoot. He showed that in that Chicago game, where from difficult angle on the edge of the box, it curled it with his left foot, and the goalkeeper ended up pushing it into his own defender, and he scored an own goal. And as you said, they're playing hot potato inside the area. Shaberko would have shot. Shaberko would have got the ball and shot. Let's be honest. He had, that was the perfect that, that first half, especially when he had so many chances and set pieces. Yeah. That first half was perfect for Shabirko because he would have had two or three chances. Not even that, he would have one or two chances where he would have definitely hit the target and he would have probably scored at least one of them. And the, we'll probably talk about a different outcome. Obviously, he gets a lot of hate from Union fans, or he's not as popular with Union fans at the moment because he struggled for goals. Yeah. No but shit, that was the perfect. <laughs> that was the perfect game. Well, yeah. well, I mean, I say struggle for goals. I think when's the last time he scored? I think he scored in the. He scored um, against Chicago and uh, Orlando. Orlando, he had the goal with Mumbaizo sending him up, up in the middle box. That was yeah. the last goal. So I think so I, it's I, been I'm it's been scored. a while Miami, since yeah. he scored. scored against Miami and Chicago. Yeah. So does that mean three? So obviously he scores. He's he's a hot strike. He's a hot streak striker. But that was the perfect game, and you think both um, Burke and. Santos, as great as they are, they offer they offer perhaps a bit more than um, Shibirko for the way the Union want to play. Fast counter-attack, hit the teams on the break. They, but Shibirko is perhaps has that bigger killer instinct where if he gets that ball, he's going to shoot. He's, he, he knows he's going to hit the target where perhaps those two aren't as confident. Um, but yeah, I think I think the Union miss Shibirko there, even as unpopular as he has been amongst the Union fans over the last, last few weeks. But also so, as well... Um, go ahead, go ahead. As well, obviously, bar that, bar the Montreal goal, yeah, I can't remember them having another opportunity. So, I mean, as for strength, as it was for the Union to concede That's that true. goal, to concede yes. that goal, they played. I mean, again, I can, it was it was such a great pass. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, but it was a rubbish goal. I mean, they didn't deserve. I mean, obviously, they didn't deserve it. But for the way they're defending that first half, you could argue they did yeah. Montreal. But it was such a fantastic pass to split the Union defense in half, and. It, I mean, it was one of the better goals the Union have conceded this year. I remember sitting there. That's and true. Saying, yeah. Crikey, that was an incredible ball playing across the box to not only take, not only find the oncoming man, but to take out two centre-halves in that pass. It's sort of like fantastic. But apart from that, obviously, can you take a positive out of it? The fact the Union didn't really look threatened apart from the goal. <sighs> yes and no. I don't know. It, uh, like, again, this is one of those matches that, that bothered me. It really bothered me. So now, some people, some people said the union didn't play with any heart, and they looked lifeless out there. I disagree with that only because they continuously find themselves back in the match. They always score a goal late. I think one statistic showed like twenty percent of their goals have come late, so they know how to continue to keep themselves in matches. So I want. I'm not going to say this team lacks heart. Yeah, but it's hard to take positives away. When you're home controlling a match and you blow it off something stupid, 
Yes. As Jim Curtin said, that was Jim Curtin's word, not mine. Stupid. Like, <laughs> so, I, it, I mean, one positive I'll say is the Quinn Sullivan impact that he's had, because again, yeah. he comes in and he and he forces his way. I mean, first of all, it was a great pass by Elliott. He could have done something, you know, were chipped into the box further, taking a shot. He he saw Quinn at the top of the box, so I, I applaud Elliott for having the vision to find Quinn at the right moment. Yeah, um, but. If I'm looking at the substitutions right now, Sullivan came in at the 81st minute for Mumbizo. Why is a player who is making such positive strides offensively coming in in the 81st minute for so long? And then on top of that, to put the icing on the cake, and I'm sorry, give me one second as I go through my, my phone real quick. Alejandro Bedoya, comes in in the fifty in the fifty seventh minute for a striker for Corey, for Corey Burke. So where's the logic <laughs> behind it? Now I I I have I feel like Jim uh, in against N- NYCFC had the smart substitutions. He saw Gazag and Shabilka were not playing well. He made the right substitutions at the right time. I applaud him for that. I yeah. don't think he made the right substitutions this particular match. Do you agree or disagree? Um. I mean, it's an interesting thing you say. I mean, obviously, I really didn't get the logic behind bringing <laughs> bringing on Bedoya for Burger. I mean, that just that didn't make any sense. You're losing one 0 You essentially took off a striker um, yes. for for a more defensive minded midfielder. Yes, I agreed with bringing Shabirko on because you needed that striker. And then obviously, I think McGlynn as well is probably better attacking wise. But I think the frustrating thing is is the fact he doesn't trust the younger players when they have. Proven that they can do it. Jack McGlynn had that very successful stint at the early part of the season where he played, came he played in. well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Chicago Fire one of the best teams in the NFL and the MLS, sorry, the, the NFL, the MLS, sorry, but like, <laughs> but like, um, again, like he came in and played his debut at 17 years old, whatever old he is, and he looked like he'd been playing for years. He was comfortable with what he did. And then he yeah. came on and then he played the game afterwards and played well again. So it was not like, He's let Jim down. He's had poor games. He's looked good when he's come on. He's probably looked brighter than a fair few of the starters have looked when he's come on. So it's not can like I, he's letting Jim down. Can I stop you right there, real quick, and I'll let you finish your thought? What you just said—they haven't played poorly. There have not. There has not been a Quinn Sullivan, Paxton Aronson, or Jack McGlynn mistake that has cost us a match. No. You can say that. You can say that Leon Flock, Mumbizo, Glessness, Jose Martinez, Bedoya have all cost us. A match. The young guys have not cost us anything. No, they've only so, shown that they're okay. The solid players. They can that they've shown us solid players, and they can do. They've shown they can compete, and that's the most important thing. Like, if they look, if they go out there and they look lost, they look a yard behind the game, and they're struggling to get their bearings. You go, okay, fair enough. They can't start, but like Jack McGlynn in that game at Chicago, his first ever game, he was battling. He was in the, he was working that midfield so well. The Union lost the ball in the middle of the park, and they were, oh, they lost the ball in the middle. And they were man down. He was new instantly. He would come inside. He'd shuffle in and get that ball back, even if he wasn't the one that lost it. And he obviously then played a good game against New England as well. And I don't know, it's just frustrating. It's not like they've shown that they can't do it. I mean, perhaps he should show more faith in these younger guys. And I guess we're probably going to be more frustrated now. No disrespect to Bueno and Davo, but they're probably going to be shoved further down the pecking line once Davo and Bueno become more acclimatise and come on to the lineup, which would be frustrating for us to see because obviously Quinn's coming and 
made important plays. Jack McGlynn's not going to be that sort of midfielder where you look at him and go, he's going to go and get, if we need a late goal, he's going to come on and provide it. He's more of a number eight where he works hard, box to box. But they haven't let them down. I think they have a little more positive when they've started games and we've discussed it in previous shows. Why hasn't he started McGlynn? Why hasn't he started Sullivan as opposed to Bedoya who had that poor stretch of games? I think that it's just frustrating to see Jim not have that. I mean, obviously Jim's done an incredible job in the fact he's bleeding them through and he, you know, he's actually bringing them into his first team. He's giving them opportunities. He's done a fantastic job of that. They're going to be wrong. But just not having the faith to give them a complete run out and let them just, you know, play two or three games on the trot and see what they can do. That's what frustrates me because they are bright sparks. They have been bright sparks in times when the unions, when the union going forward and the field have looked dire. They've looked shocking. They've brought provided a spark that has pushed them on. We saw against Montreal when um, obviously they'd lost in Orlando, but the union looked dead and buried after 80 minutes. Sullivan and McGlynn come on, and they suddenly have a bit of energy, have some life. And I think they have brought what the team has lacked at points this season. I don't know why Jim hasn't perhaps trusted them more than he should have. So you bring up a point that they look dead at times. And I, really quick before we continue, the, the, the banner you see below, AAT Sports underscore, is our new uh, – are, are, are all about the birds expanding to AAT Sports underscore. So please give them a follow. That's where you'll see various sports being covered, not just Eagles, like all about the birds. So we're trying to expand. We're doing big things. Dave, you and I are taking this by, by the reins and running with it. But yeah. besides that, um, you mentioned the – how many times have we said already this starting lineup looks stagnant? It, yeah. It's not the same. You have the same formula as last year, but you do not have the same ingredients to make the no. end product. You don't have Aronson in there. You don't have McKenzie. You don't have a, a slightly younger Bedoya. No, I, like, even just the Bedoya substitution. You have Davo on the bench. Your team looks stagnant. Why are you bringing him in? to, to, to no, chase yeah. a game. It doesn't make any sense. I, and just give Ali a rest. Give him one game off. Like, yeah. what's that going to hurt if he has one match off? No, exactly. He's, he's 34, 35 years old. He's not going to get to a point when he's, when he breaks down or he can't, he's going to get injured or something. And then just sort of like looking at it and thinking, well, we've lost the captain. We haven't got, let's never play the union. Don't have obviously look quite healthy at the moment, but as yeah. you said, it's just yeah. give, give the guy a rest. He's going to, no, th- th- not only will Bedoya benefit from a rest and a couple of games off just to get his bearings back, get fit, you know, regain some match fitness and, you know, rest, the team will benefit from it because Bedoya will be better coming off rest as opposed to being tired and, you know, coming into games looking tired because he has looked tired. And not, you look at some of the games, as you said, regarding the Club America game. Yeah. He looked, a few, he looked a couple of yards behind the actual pace of the game. He struggled he did, to get into he did. it. Yes. acclimatized to it, and that's the big issue, is the fact that the player like him, you can't afford to run into the ground at this point in the season where you're in the middle of it, you, you're pushing for the playoffs. I mean, being realistic now, the CONCACAF Champions League's out the window. I don't see them recovering the two-goal deficit, especially if they can see they can't afford to concede a goal, and I think they will concede a goal. Um, but yeah, again, it's just I think Jim needs to have more faith in these young guys and whether it comes before the international break, after the international break, he's got to show more faith in them and the fact that they can do a job for this team. They can perform when asked upon. 
Right. And they've sh- and again they've shown it. They've not let this team down when they've been on. They've been bright spots. I keep saying they've just not let them down. I don't think they've done anything for Jim to look at and go, Wow. Um Quinn looked a bit weak in this game where he struggled to get fit, like, involved. Jack was sort of a bystander where the game evaded him for the entire game. He's just sort of a passenger in the field. They haven't had moments like that. Maybe the only player I could be, I mean, obviously Paxton looked positive against New England, but Paxton yeah. perhaps is the only player I've looked at in the game when he's come on and looked at and gone. Maybe he's not entirely ready. Obviously, he looked good against New England, yeah. but he's still a kid. A you can see it. Exactly. He's a cut. He's a kid, but a couple of games have sort of bypassed him. He struggled to get involved. Whereas the other two have, obviously, Quinn came on, scored the bicycle kick. Jack McLean's debut had two shots cleared off the line. He was everywhere in that midfield. I mean. And obviously with Paxton, he came on and scored a very nice goal in his first game, first start. So, yeah, obviously we've gone off on a bit of a tangent and a bit and running. <laughs> these young guys deserve the chance to actually show what they can do as opposed to, you know, playing once uh, 15 minutes every other week when they perhaps have played better than players in the first team themselves. Well, I think you mentioned it right there. They've only played 15 minutes or so. Like, when your team is at home, struggling to score, why are you only giving Quinn Sullivan 12 minutes? Yeah. Put him earlier. You know, yeah. I'm not asking to, to start these guys. I don't think they're ready to start. I think it's unfair for them to start. I think they bring a spark off the bench, which is what you want your bench to be, a spark. You want them to have that energy. So I applaud that he's at least using them off the bench. I'm not trying to say Jim is doing anything wrong by playing them. He's just not playing them enough. And... I- and and when you're in teams like deep, like DC this weekend will be a tough match. They got luck. That's okay. That's, I'm going to, I'm going to touch on this a little bit too. NYCFC, they got lucky to leave the first half without being scored on. We both agreed on that last week. Mm-hmm. We have DC United, the game that I was at as a fan where <coughs> Bendik. Yes, that's right. Bendik saved the day where they could have been scored on in the yeah. first half. Okay. You have been luckier more often than you've been like stout on defense. So, yeah. like, it, it's just frustrating, man. And it's one of those things where I'm almost at a loss for words on, on how to to approach these games every single week because yeah. I know that what we want to have happen is not what's going to have happen. And the substitutions that are going to be made are not going to be made. And it's going to yeah, be the yeah. same old song and dance. And that's where that's where I get annoyed by it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the Union are sort of slap bang in the middle of the playoff contention at the moment. Um, obviously, their their game their games up on Nashville and New York City. They've got more points than them, or whatever, better head head, or whatever. But obviously, both teams have got games in hand, so the Union could easily drop down to fifth by the time. I mean, if they don't beat New England, or if they fail to beat DC United, they could easily drop down to fifth. But they're right in the middle of the playoff punt. Packs. I mean, obviously, there's still stuff to be bright about, which is frustrating. Like, I think the success of last season has perhaps made us perhaps hungry for more. Hungry for more. We expect more, and perhaps the team. Because obviously, I think again, I mean, that MLS's back cup was. In, I, I thought the union. Would, I thought at one point the union had a real good shot of winning it, and I think that Talk that to. that momentum that. Yeah, doing that momentum and that sort of that gave him that push heading into the MLS season to sh- carry on going. And I think it did, I think it worked wonders. Perhaps the, they've had a good start this year, and I think the CCL has helped at stages of the season somewhat push them along in the league. 
for sure. I think it's given them a confidence boost. But going back to the youngsters, obviously, as you said, like, they should be getting more time. Like you're in a state, you're at the stadium at Super Park. You're losing one nil to Montreal. It's not a very good game. You're you're frustrated. I think you're dominating this game, but you haven't had, you haven't cried anything. No disrespect to Andy Bedoya, but what's going to give you more of a boost? Seeing a player like Bedoya come on or seeing a young homegrown player come on that you know is a Philly guy, he is one of you, really at high. He's one of you guys. What's going to give the fat crowd more of a boost? Oh, oh, p- people go crazy when Paxton Aronson comes on. Even for Paxton. three minutes. You see it. Paxton, yeah. Paxton, yeah, you see- Jack McGlynn, Jack. Quinn Sullivan. People are going to go mental when these kids come on because they are, they're young kids. They're scrappers. They're fighters. They, they are exciting. They're exciting prospects. They're going to lift the crowd more. And jumping, you know I mean? oh, it's just frustrating. Obviously, <laughs> Dude, I, I, like- I, I hear you. I'm, 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 I'm so annoyed by it. I'm like at a loss for words by it too. It's one of those in betweens, right? I just I can't. Just, I just, yeah. want the, I just want the young players to play more now. But I mean, obviously, I'm not going right. to knock Jim too much because Jim's done an incredible job, and clearly, what he's doing is working because. Over the last few years, the Union have probably arguably been one of the most successful teams in the MLS. They keep hitting the playoffs. So, obviously, what Jim's doing is working, and the and the, and the model he used for Paxton, the model he used not for Paxton for Brandon and for Mark McKenzie has worked. So, obviously, hopefully, I'll check a seventy-six as reference here. We'll trust trust the process. The process involved <laughs> this season, next season goes on. Um, but obviously, looking ahead to DC United. Should yes. there be changes again? Obviously, the team, we, I think Jim had to make changes considering they're playing on three days rest. But do do you make multiple changes again? Uh, I think Casper should be back in it. You mentioned here, you know, he's he's had some success against DC United. Um, I think Casper deserves to be in there. Uh, considering you're not seeing any sort of real spark from the starting lineup there should be changes i honestly wouldn't mind benching flock i don't think that's gonna be very popular from people i'm sorry but i don't see him contributing offensively like i want to i I see at least from bedoya i see an intelligent player offensively he knows kind of where to space put himself for spacing from mbizo he does have some some decent balls up front i don't see any sort of brilliance from flock offensively and i think it's just because he's young he's still learning the game yeah i wouldn't mind seeing him sit now here's the thing i have a rest i don't know if i want gazdag starting either so that changes up a lot of the of the starting lineup montero and you had mentioned him in in the montreal review we didn't get to him but we'll talk about him now montero should continue to play at the eight on the left side let him be there let him let him play like he did against Montreal. I thought he actually played pretty strong against Montreal. Yeah. What do you think? Who do you think should play the 10 uh, against um, DC? That's a tough one. I mean, obviously, I'd be tempted to see if Jim goes to the 3-4-3 for this game, just you know, give players rest and maybe go Baizo and Kai as wing-backs and you put the three defenders in, or Senior as a wing-back. And obviously, I think there's many options. I'd like to see... Again, I'd like to see Quinn Sullivan start the game. He came on, he scored a goal. Why? He he saves you. He saves your team from a frustrating and embarrassing loss. I mean, well, not embarrassing. Not trying to a good team. No disrespect to Montreal from a frustrating loss. So why not give Quinn a start? He's it's not like he hasn't deserved it because he's come on. He's made key contributions in games in recent weeks. 
So it might not give him a start. I think he should start Quinn Sullivan. I think this is the sort of game he can start in. But obviously, this is a road game for the Union as well. So it won't shock me to see the Union yes. playing a defensive lineup or going defensive. So I wouldn't. I, I struggle to not see Flack and Jose in that team. I think, presume he'll bring Bedoya back. Um, but for me, I'd like to see Casper back. I think Casper can have a big impact in this game. I think he's played six times against DC United, scored six goals. So, I mean, he loves playing them. I mean, 100% loves playing them. And, I mean, as a Union fan, you go into this game of confidence, seeing the fact the Union are beaten in their last 10 against DC United and they've won nine out of the last 10 games. Does that somewhat fill you with a bit of confidence? No, not anymore. I think, I think last year taught I'm sorry, like I'm being blunt. I think last year taught us that New England Revolution, we could pound them to the ground for six matches and then lose to them Yeah, when it mattered most. Eventually, DC United will beat us again. So when is our luck going to run out? I think yeah. that we're a better team than DC United. The standings reflect that we're a better team than DC United. But you know, if we don't if we don't play stout defensively, then yeah. we're not going to win. I mean, we we didn't play great when they were here in, in Chester, and we only won one zero, yeah. and we were down there in DC United earlier. Yeah, so it's not like we've blown them out of the water. Yeah, and we just yeah, exactly. you didn't have luck of the draw when they come against DC United. Obviously, they do. Um, I think yeah. that's again you have to start Casper. I'd start Quinn Sullivan. You have a bright, you have a quicker, brighter spark in attack with him as opposed to perhaps Gazdag who's more I mean I think Quinn's probably more of like a buzzy player where he likes to pick up the ball and he likes to you know move with it whereas Gazdag's more like calm get the ball at his feet find an option give it pass the ball or you know that's I think obviously perhaps if you're looking to be more counter-attacking and hit these teams in the break I mean Quinn Sullivan is the sort of guy that you play because he is he is quick he's got a bit of pace he can help hit you guys in the counter-attack with Sergio. I think you have to start Sergio in a road game because yes. otherwise the way the Union play, if you go with Casper and Corey, you get isolated because the ball will come up to them and go straight back. I think you have to start Sergio Salos. Um, but yeah, obviously as well, I mean, looking at these last five games for DC United, they have really shown some defensive um, frailties. So going over the last five games, obviously they lost 2-1 at home to Atlanta United. They conceded three against New England Revolution. They conceded Look, I'm five. I'm looking back on it now too. <laughs> they conceded five yeah. on the road to Nashville. They conceded five on the road to Nashville. Obviously, conceded against Montreal. And although they beat Columbus, they can still concede a couple of goals. They haven't kept a clean sheet in five games. They've been struggling to keep clean sheets. And so, I mean, is this the sort of game perhaps where the Union might go a bit more with an attacking output? Look to... Look to take control of the game early and expose their defensive fragilities. So I'm looking. So last week, if we look at the comparison of the numbers, uh, Montreal and the Union were fairly close in in goals scored. Okay, but defensively, Montreal had given up more goals than the Union had <coughs> so far this season. We already know that two of the goals for the Union were own goals, so you can argue that the number is a bit inflated than what it really stands for. Um, kind of like fluke. Flu crap. And when we saw the first half of D of Montreal was what I expected from the union yeah. is a team that's pushing a team that is going to give up goals. And I now I'm going to bring up this, this matches numbers. D 
DC has scored 32 goals. Philly has scored 27. You could argue that the Nashville game kind of inflates that number, but not the Nashville game. The, uh, I'm sorry, the Columbus game, they scored four goals against Columbus. You could say that maybe that is kind of a bit higher than what this team actually is capable of doing. But DC United have given up 31 goals so far. The Union have given up 20. That's a that's a big difference in terms of your defensive abilities. And you've mentioned the last yeah. five games, that is where that number has gone from even to the union to skyrocketing high. Yeah. So I want here's what I want, Dave. I want to see the union look offensively like dominant in one game yeah. this season. I want them to look like they like the DC we saw it against DC United and I'm sorry. Um Toronto. Toronto. Yes, thank you. We saw it against Toronto. We saw it against Portland. I want to see that again eventually to give me some hope moving forward because yeah. I, I believe in this defense enough that they'll, they'll only give up one goal a game. I don't believe in this offense enough to, to think they'll score more than two goals a match because yeah. they just they don't do it that often. That's, <laughs> that's not my that's – just, that's just facts. They don't do it. Yeah. I think again, as you said, I think this this could be viewed as a game where they can be perhaps a bit more free with their attack. We know when the Union play on the road, they like to sit back, soak up pressure, um, you know, hit teams on the counter. Or, you know I mean, perhaps this is a game where Jim Kurt might look at it and go, "Job, we're going to be more aggressive. We're going to look to dominate this game." So, I mean, it could be the perfect game to do so. It's not like. They're playing a team that has conceded 15 goals this year, and you know you're going to have to sit back in and take your chances. So, I mean, right. DC United will give them chances, obviously, as well. So, yeah, they need to. I think this could be a game where they could perhaps uh, take advantage and perhaps be, be more free flowing and attack, whereas they usually have a structure of keep when they do go forward, keep the ball, keep it simple. Perhaps they could be more fluid, more free flowing. Which I quite like to see. Whether I believe they will or not, I don't think they will. I think Jim will stick to that rigid, um, gritty structure of being tough to break down. But when they do get the ball, slowly work their way up the field, or lump it long, or go long. So I mean, it can be an interesting one. Obviously, have you just... noticed? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Have you noticed that they've been going long more often with Santos' recent stretch? Do you feel like yeah. that's been more prevalent? Okay. I, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was just me or not. Or I feel like they keep just tossing it long because of Santos. Yeah, I think because obviously it's pa- they do it with Casper, but obviously Casper's going up against two or three centre backs on the zone, and sort of he gets isolated. He never really wants to head as well. And, you know, with Santos as opposed to going direct at a player, you can hit it down the lines into the channels where he can run, he can outpace these defenders. And yeah. we see it so often where he in the New England game where literally from. The Union literally had it on the edge of their own penalty area. Ten seconds later, had the corner because they literally just went long to Santos. Yeah. They, had a, they were under a bit of pressure against Club America. They went long into one of the channels for Santos to chase. They got a throwing out of it, half of the field. So I think, yeah, I think obviously Santos's pace allows them to do that. Allows them to be a bit more direct and hit the channels and you know try and get him in behind the defenders, which I quite like. And obviously, so that helps them helps yeah. them in a big road game like this. It gives them another dimension to attack as well. Um, whether he starts or not, maybe Jim might give him a rest and start him on the bench. We'll go for Burke and Shabirka up front. But um, who knows? Uh, obviously, as well, looking at DC United, um, obviously, again, they've had, they've been struggling defensively. 
but one of their main guys, Ola Kamara, scored 11 goals in 15 games this season, which Jesus is a ridiculous, Christ. which is a ridiculous uh, goal scoring record. Are you, um, is that probably the player to look out for? Ah, uh, you know, I'll give the union credit a bit here, okay? They have done well so far this season against the opponent's best player. Yeah. And I give credit to Jose Martinez and or Leon Flock, whoever played whoever played the six, because that's really their job is to stop the ten, the best yeah. player, usually on the on the pitch. So I'm not necessarily concerned. I think last time they played DC United in DC United, yeah. they did well defensively to to kind of stop the the uh the 10 in that, in that regard. Um, but right now I have such a concern for the mental lapses that they're showing me that I, I am concerned of because eventually that prolific player will score at will because of something that stupid that the union do. So yeah. this, this is tough. And I'm, I'm looking right now on the sports books, you know, that when I saw on FanDuel, DC United is favored plus one fifteen. The Union are plus two hundred. So, the Union are dogs coming into this, and I, I think rightfully so. And I think someone like Kamara could could punish them for for yeah. what they've shown recently. Absolutely, and I think as you said, eleven guys. As you said their defensive lapses, and if you give a strike like Kamara, who hasn't, I don't think he scored against Union this year. But no. I mean, but I mean, if you give him the moments, he will take them. He will score. Probably also got 11 goals and 15 is an incredible record for a striker. Um, but again, I think the I'll be interested to see if Jim Curtin does go to a throw at the back, considering Atlanta likes to play, uh, DC likes to play 3 4 3. That's probably the three at the back. So obviously, it can stop the union from being overloaded in the field with them having more players in there. Or I'll be interested to see if Jim tries to counteract it, maybe goes 3 5 2 and goes to Baizo and Wagner at wing backs. And then has a midfield three of Garzdag, Garzdag, Sullivan, Bedoya, Martinez, Flark, whoever else. Perhaps tries to counteract that and equalize or level out what they're coming up against. So let's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot here. It's a three five two. What's your lineup look like? Because I, I kind of want to see that personally. Okay, Blake and go. You go Finley, Glasnes, Elliot. Baizo, Wagner is your wing backs. Um, I think you have to go Jose and Flark. Okay. For this game, considering he scored against Montreal, I, I go Quinn Sullivan. I think Gazdar can sit for a game. Sullivan can have a go at starting. He deserves to start. He scored a goal. He showed guts to actually have a shot, to actually shoot and have a, chance, have a go at goal, which some of the union players didn't do against. And DC United against and, Montreal, and that's the thing. He finds the ability to shoot. We saw it against Orlando. He had three. Sh- well, I think it was Orlando. It might have been Miami. He comes into the match and he has yeah. three shots right away at net. Three shots. Yeah, the, the team had three shots. He combined beforehand. He comes in. He's three shots. Yeah. Exactly. Why not give him a chance? <laughs> exactly. He has that second, second instinct. And you're coming up against a team who you'll be matching up against, and they right. do play, and who you'll be matching up against. In the in in this game, and if you perhaps you have an extra midfielder in there, you can in that in that thing. Perhaps he can get more space. He can be a bit more aggressive. And as we said, like it's not like DC United are a great team defensively who are who are stout. They're not going to correct limit you to chances. They've conceded thirty-one goals. And Quinn Sullivan is a player that 
who will go look for a shot, whereas perhaps Gazdag wouldn't. So I think this could be a nice game for him to play. play and he's a bit pacey as well, so that could work for the Union's advantage on the break. But yeah, I'd go Sullivan, I'd go Santos and Shabirko, because I think Shabirko obviously is always a threat when you get near the penalty area. So I'll go with that'll be my team with the three five two. Okay. I like it. I think it's worth a shot, man. I think you know, they say like insanity is a definite is the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different yeah. outcome. I think you're reaching that with the union. You the keep pushing the same narrative. And it's not even the four four two. That's I don't want to. I don't want to be misconstrued by that. I think the four four two is effective if the right personnel are in place, which I don't think they are right now. And I think part of that is Jose Martinez and Flock both being on the pitch. I think it's yeah. Gazdag not being what we expected. I think it's the strikers being way too streaky. Yeah. I think it's Glessness and Elliot. Well, no, not Elliot. I actually think Elliot's been more stout than than Glessness. I think it's Glessness being a bit careless. So I don't think it's strictly the four four two. I think it's the way the players are playing in that system. Because last year you saw the four four two do well. Yeah. But I just want to try something different because it's obviously not working. And no. and 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 Dave, let's 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 take a step back here and look at the positives. Okay. The Philadelphia Union are in third place in the Eastern Conference. At 32 points, they've been playing just above average, and they're still right in, right in the thick of it. Yeah. I mean, they're I right think, there. I think that's the sign of a good team is the fact that they can play badly or poorly, ineffectively, and still get results. They can still not lose games. They can still win, grind things out, which I think, obviously, this team's a very good team. And I think Jim Curtin deserves a lot of credit for not only having – that team spirit, not only bringing in that team spirit and allowing players to never give up. And we've seen it in games against Atlanta United. They look dead and buried at 2-0 down. Five minutes later, Corey Burke scores and Jackie Glesnes has probably scored the best goal in the MLS this season. We saw it against Inter Miami. when saw against uh, Inter Miami. We've seen it against teams like um, Orlando. Yes, they might have lost the game and it was frustrating, but they didn't give up. They Immediately got back on, got back into the game. They scored through Casper. They didn't give up. I think that's probably the one thing that we'll um, we all look at this team is the fact they don't give up. They have a high team spirit. They work hard for each other, and even if they are playing poorly, they can still find their way back into the game, which I think is so important. And Jim Curtin, as much as we perhaps have moans during this podcast that some of the decisions perhaps not give the younger yes. guys more starts and more minutes. He's done an incredible job to actually have this team fighting where it is. But if you compare the resources that teams in the Eastern Conference and around them have, like you know, like teams like Orlando City, NYC FC, Atlanta United, and New York Red Bulls into Miami, they some of these teams have fantastic uh, revenue streams. There's some fantastic ways to bring in players into Miami. Has um, World Cup winner Bryce Matuidi and Gonzalo Higuain, that team. Like, they're no mugs. Rodolfo Bizarro, won the, won the, who was one of the best players in Mexico. So, I mean, they they have some fantastic resources. The fact they're able to compete with these teams week in, week out, and they are oh, yeah. losing to these teams. Absolutely. That's a credit to Jim and the fact he's joining. So, Jim's doing some fantastic stuff. I think we're probably being a bit more minor, a bit more petty for what we would like to see. Obviously, Jim yes. probably knows it better, but. Again, he's done a fantastic job, and I'm looking forward to hopefully this Saturday 
him because I think we've seen it often this year. Whenever the Union have had a bad game or had a bad game or two, they always come back. They always come back and answer and respond with a very good performance or very good results. I think we could see one this weekend, hopefully. I th- yes, I think you're right. I think it as as much as you want to see Jim get the most out of this team, and I think yeah. a lot of fans are frustrated because you see the depth this team has. I think it's the pieces of the puzzle just aren't quite in place the way we want it. Yeah. I think that's where the frustration for Jim is. But don't get me wrong. Jim Curtin has the respect of his players, and yeah. you can see it by the way they run to him after they score, the way he reacts to, to them scoring, the way the players commend him and compliment him in the press conferences. Yeah. These players – Love Jim. They they love to to play for him, which is which is almost half the battle sometimes with, with the coach. Yeah. When you're whenever you're a leader, a mentor, supervisor, boss, whatever you want to call it, having respect from the people beneath of you is half the battle. Yeah. But you have you have a tall task ahead of you. You have a tough a tough regular season with a lot of strong teams ahead of you, and you just need to get the most out of them. And, and we're hoping that DC United is is not a, is not a match that you just look terrible and it's, it's yeah. the same old story i don't want to see the same old story if you're gonna lose lose for a different reason rather than the same exact reasons every single week that's what i'm looking forward to just yeah offer something different i think obviously jim's done an incredible job i mean it's hard to not hate jim I mean, not, we don't hate jim we we've made it publicly known how much we love the guy he's done a fantastic job so yeah. sorry if it has no, been that awesome. yeah. we've been piling in on him this podcast but some frustrations that i mean perhaps last season successes perhaps um changed our i think it has it's, last season has changed expectations for you oh, 100% 100% uh, that's a yes. whole so, i mean obviously perhaps i think if you'd have told us last year that the unit would be playing like this and the think everyone yeah it's just great we'll, we'll take that every single every single day of the week but obviously now with the fact they did really well in the MLS's back cup they did really well in the MLS they won the sports shield they're now obviously in the um, CCL. They're competing. They're going to probably go out to Club America, but they're competing. They're working hard. I think expectations have changed, and that's probably going to see more people moaning and groaning about Jim. But I don't think it's going to change people's opinions. I think we're just we've got high expectations. We are expecting more than we use when we have done in the past. And I so, think, yeah. and I think the the fact that the other Philly teams are doing so poorly puts more pressure on the Union. For union fans in particular. So if if you're a non-union fan and you're watching the soccer team, you don't really give a shit about the union if they do well or not. But yeah. for me, I'm a diehard Eagles fan. I'm a huge Sixers fan, Phillies, Flyers, whatever. When the other teams are struggling and I see the potential the union have, I get more annoyed because I know they can play better than what they are. And yeah. I want to see, see them succeed. So I think, I, I think we just want Jim to be good or great, not good. And what yeah. he's mentioned earlier, they're good right now. They're not great. Yeah. But it's about everyone, not just Jim, everyone included. Yeah, yeah exactly. Making that big step up to becoming great. So, I mean, hopefully right. in the next couple of weeks, we'll see this team carry on, get back to that standard they were at last year. I think, obviously, which we hold them to such a high standard now because of the incredible work they did. So, right. yeah, I mean, obviously, I agree with that. If it seems like we've been piling on Jim this podcast. We- we aren't saying we don't like we're not we're not I don't expect but seem we're piling in on him but we're we're just frustrated as he said that this team is only a good team at the moment where we know how great it can be. We've seen how great it can be. And you've got the pieces there which 
we perhaps look at and think these guys can make this team go that next level, even if they are 18, they're kids, which perhaps obviously we know Jim probably knows better than us. He's was the MLS coach of the year last year, I believe. So I mean, it's been, yeah, it's just a, it was a frustrating podcast. I think of a frustrating draw against yeah. uh, Montreal and the conditions they were. It's so one of those shows you yeah, just yeah. have to vent it out. You just have, have to, to get it out. out, get it out of your system. Yeah. yeah. Play the kids. But again, obviously <laughs> before we, before we get into the, uh, before we go into the sponsors, what's your score prediction for uh, Saturday night? Uh, I'm going to keep it real with you. I think it's going to be 1-1. One, one. I don't think they leave that with a win. I think it's going to be a draw. Um, soon they've won nine of the last time, last 10 games against DC United. And they're unbeaten in 10. Obviously, you could easily look at it and go, yeah, I think um, the duck could be broken. It's one of those games where you look at it and go, this is going to be broken at some point. But I think I'm, sl- I'm confident for this game. I think they'll bounce back. Uh, give, think, give me your score prediction real quick because I want to tell you something about the odds. Go ahead. Uh, I am going to say 2-1 Union. Okay. You want to hear this? Yeah. The I have a credit book. The Union are currently minus 250 to score under one and a half goals, but they're minus 180 to score over one and a half. DC United, yeah. on the other hand, is under one one and a half goals, minus 150, over one and a half goals, 110. So the, the sports book suggests it's going to be a 2-1 DC United win yeah. from what I'm seeing right now. So I'm hoping that you're right, and I'm hoping they turn it around because I've, at this point in time, they're going in their dogs. Despite their track record against DC United and despite, despite DC United's recent yeah. defensive woes, for some reason they're still the underdog. Yeah. Despite being the third best team in the conference. So Yeah, I think the issue is, especially with this sort of level, is well in this in this sort of league is you're always going to be the underdog on the road. You're never going to be the favourite. You're going to struggle to be the favourite. That's true. That's true. That's true. And I think you see. I think you'll look at most of the games across the MLS over this weekend. And I think most of the road teams, if not all the road teams, will be considered the underdogs. Uh, let me try and let me quickly try and find the other prizes for the rest of the games this weekend because I'm convinced that pretty much every year that all the road teams will be underdogs. There you go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, literally every single team on the road this weekend is an underdog. As you'd expect, unless it's like uh, Seattle Sounders against FC Cincinnati or something along those lines. You're right. It is going to be that. But it's just just frustrating because I know they're a better team and and the way they're playing and the way the lines are showing is that nobody thinks they're the better team right now. That's that's what kind of frustrates me the most. And though I agree with the lines that are in place, it's just annoying. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, it works yeah. in their favor potentially as well. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big game. I'm confident. I'm slowly confident that they can they can get in there, get a good result, and get out of there. Similar to what they did earlier in the season. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, before round up show, we have to get paid as a website. So let me hit it up. Uh, obviously, we'll be first off with Manscaped. If you're looking for the perfect uh, gift for your man, why not get the um, get game the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0? You heard that right? The Lawnmower 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code AETBIRDS at manscaped.com. Imagine surprising your man with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized body hair trim that says, your bulls will thank you. That's 20% off for free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code AETBIRDS. Now with Oddsjam, Oddsjam is the number one software platform for sports but bandits. Their software shows you how to make risk-free cash on FanDuel, DraftKings, and other or other sports books. 
with the arbitrage calculator. So never lose a bet again. Sign up today at oddsjohn.com. Obviously with the link below. And then with Statement Games, obviously Statement Games um, is a fun UA for fancy sport players and for you if you enjoy like entertain your fancy entertainment sports. So you can win gift cards, prizes, and so much more. And it's free to sign up. So sign up now at the link. Uh, I don't know if we've got the link. Yeah, we've got the link below. Yeah, it's right there. And then obviously 99 Jerseys is a very popular. It's a very popular site with us all about the birds. We know our guy Chip loves wearing those jerseys. So go to 99jerseys.com and get 20% off your next order by using the discount code AATBIRDS20. Check out their wide selection of quality kick-ass jerseys, your favourite sports movie characters and throwback jerseys, some of your favourite stars. So again, order at 99jersey.com and save 20% off by using the discount code AATBIRDS20. And then obviously as well, we have our own gear, the All About the Bird Shop, so you can get your across-the-pitch gear and all the other All About the Birds and All About um, all about the sports net, network gear um, on the atbirds.com slash shop. And there you go. That's sick. That's sick t-shirt there. And then as well, we've got all our social medias. So like if you've been watching this on live with us on Twitter tonight or Facebook or YouTube, you can rewatch not just our shows from this week, but in the past, any show on the network or any of these sites, if you want to see our um, ugly mugs, as opposed to listening to just our voices. But um <laughs> Obviously, as well, make sure to go follow us and, and like and subscribe if you want to keep up to date with everything all about the birds slash all about the sports because we're in the middle of a um, in the middle of a sort of a brand rebrand at the moment, which hopefully will become will come more to light in the next few weeks. Very exciting! Right there, that's a new that, uh, right there. Yep. And obviously, you can follow us for all the latest content on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. And if you missed the show, you can catch all of our content on YouTube, where you'll see our ugly mugs. And on Apple Podcasts, if you just want to listen to our voices and need to stick your headphones in while you're doing work. So again, subscribe to get notified of any new content and leave the page review. And obviously, before we go, obviously, I believe we had some very exciting news on the All About the Birds Network, or the All About the Sports Network, just this week. Let me go on the page now, because I believe Mike no. Me and Mike want to sort of bring it Oh, to yes. Mike. So on Tuesday nights, I'll tell you this right now. On yeah. Tuesday nights, we'll have a new show coming. We were supposed to move to Tuesday nights. Things got changed because um, we are going to have a show at 10.30 p.m. called Burning Bridges. And that is going to be hosted by – and I'm going to see if I can pull up his name real quick. Um, his Twitter name is UKNOME Big. Uh, he's going to – I believe he's a former player – former O-line player. It's going to be burning bridges at 10.30 p.m. on Tuesday nights. He's he's going to have some great takes on the football and the Eagles season coming up. So yeah. please give it a follow. Like I said, all about <laughs> the birds is changing to AAT Sports underscore right there on the Twitter handle. Give it a follow. It's, it, yeah. it's going to be a lot of fun. Man, there's a lot of stuff coming. There's a lot of stuff coming on the network. Possibly be. And as well, Mike, you've also got your own new um, pre-recorded show coming up on college basketball. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to be called yet. I'm trying to find a, a name for it, but I'm going to be doing a, a probably like a 34-minute pre-recorded college basketball show um, probably once a week saying, hey, you know, what's the upcoming games look like? What did last week look like? What's the betting lines look like? I, as you know, Dave, I'm a big college basketball fan. I won the college basketball uh, NCAA, double, NCAA March Madness bracket for All About the Birds last season so i gotta i gotta repeat this year and i gotta show that i still got it this season so so tune in soon for for what i have to offer the college basketball yeah and obviously that is pretty much a wrap up of our show this week obviously um make sure to follow aa 
AT Sports underscore. Um, also follow about the birds. Follow myself, uh, Dave Miller eight at Dave GFC Miller, and make sure to also follow Mike Barrera at M Barrera one three two three. And we'll be back next week, hopefully, fingers crossed, with the Union taking three points in the capital and heading heading against New England before the international break. Cheers for watching, guys, and or just listening. See you next week. Dupe. Here's a commercial from Manscaped. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code AATBIRDS. Ready for an out-of-world experience, fellas? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off in not only the USA, but Canada, UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag to hold your whole solar system. First, scheduled for liftoff, new Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer. This spaceship is here to guide you on a journey to trim your body, balls, butt, and even your anus. This fourth generation trimmer also features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on off switch, can engage a travel lock, and is even waterproof. The Lawnmower 4.0 also has a 4,000K LED spotlight you can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave throughout your travels across the universe. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. It's like having a little astronaut to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Don't forget to use Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and their Crop Reviver to help your little planets be on their A-game while feeling the sun's heat. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Abort hairy balls and buzz lightyear that woody with Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code AATBIRDS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code AATBIRDS at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you.